Welcome back to Talking Slayer, a podcast and half-assed audio book. Talking Slayer is what we do. It's all we do. This show is brought to you by my books and Patreon supporters. There are no moronic bullshit ads in this show. For the books, visit Amazon or cool retailers. Patreon supporters get every episode, and those episodes arrive once a week. After episode 6, free listeners will get every other episode, and you will miss some good stuff. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash dxferris. D like David, X like X-Ray, Ferris like the wheel. I am your host, your only host, your pal, DX Ferris. I wrote two books about Slayer. One is an entire book about Rain and Blood. One is a book about the band's entire career called Slayer 66 and Two Thirds, a metal band biography. The third edition is the post-mortem update. It is newly, as of this recording, revised, re-edited, and overhauled again in May 2023. It's been around for like 10 years now, and now it is uh, as current as possible. Guess what I did this week? It doesn't fucking matter. It's not that kind of podcast. We're not talking about me. We're not going to do that shit here. We're talking Slayer. This is episode number one. Today's topic is the late, great Jeff Hanneman. Jeff Hanneman passed away 10 years ago this week on May 2nd, 2013. I'm still bummed about it. I'm sure you are too. Looking back, his shocking death marked the beginning of the end of Slayer. Hanneman, uh, of course, was the group's co-founder, co-lead guitarist, and its best lyricist. In 2013, which was 10 years ago, as we said, he had not been doing well. In the previous couple years, Jeff had survived a spider bite that long story short, led to a life-threatening infection. That infection led to a life-threatening surgery. The surgery effectively ended Jeff's time as an active on-stage member of the band. Though Slayer would continue for another six years, he would only appear with the group one more time. He would continue to contribute, but that was the end of him raging on stage. Still, even after all that health stuff, his very, very, very premature departure was a surprise. What I'm going to read to you today is chapter 3 of my Big Slayer book. This chapter is called Postmortem, Hanneman Made the Difference. It's about Jeff and how even though Jeff Hanneman was not the team captain of Slayer, that was Kerry King, we'll talk about that more in coming weeks, Jeff set the course for the band's career as heavy metal heroes, the thrashiest of the big four thrash metal bands. Ready? Here it comes.
Jeff Hanneman unexpectedly departed this mortal coil May 2nd, 2013. I wrote this piece at the time. I start off with an epigram uh, by Flea, the bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flea, when he spoke about Cliff Burton and heavy metal in general at Metallica's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, he said this, and this is one of my favorite things that anybody has ever written, said about heavy metal, and I've read a lot about it. I wish I'd said this. Flea said, if you pass away and you know that you sang your song, you gave your gift, that is the greatest accomplishment that I could ever hope for anybody. The playing of ferocious music is the healthiest release of anger for the performer of it. It is alchemy. It is a metamorphosis. It is turning something potentially destructive and a source of misery into something beautiful. It is uplifting and it brings people together. Beautiful stuff about metal. He was talking about Cliff Burton, but he might as well have been talking about Jeff Hanneman too. So Dateline, 2013. Jeff Hanneman died. Shit. This is unacceptable. Slayer as we know it is over. The classic lineup is now part of rock and roll history. It is lost irrecoverably in the past. Drummer Dave Lombardo is also no longer in the band either. He departed and rejoined before, twice. Still Slayer soldiered on. Slayer was still Slayer, more or less. And the band may well be approximately what it used to be. A metal institution with a catalog that is as solid as it gets. Slayer Mark II or three or seven, depending how you want to count it, might even be relatively awesome on its own merits. It was. But Slayer will never be who it used to be. And who it used to be that is a big part of what made the classic lineup so special. Shortly after Jeff died, Tom Araya spoke to Guitar World reporter Jeff Kitts, who is a great dude. Um, Tom Araya, speaking about Tom, or sorry, speaking about Jeff, he said, by all accounts, Jeff was the band. Hanneman was Slayer's co-guitarist and co-founder. He died, as we said, May 2nd, 2013. Hanneman did not have the band's most writing credits in recent years, but uh, up until that point, he did. He did. And he surely had its best writing credits. The beginning and the end of Slayer's 1986 landmark Rain in Blood album demonstrated a new potential that has seldom, if ever, been matched in the years since. He wrote music, he wrote lyrics, he did it all. The Rain and Blood lineup held together for 23 years of a 31-year run with a big break in the middle. That's a big part of what this book's about. Still, the wonder of that four-man unit, Hanneman, Lombardo, Carrie King, Araya. The wonder of that four-man unit is that it represented a continuity. 
The same four people did a difficult thing better and longer than anybody else. Opinions are deeply divided on the non-Lombardo years. While fans accept that the diminished lineup is legitimate, if regrettable, a very mere, small minority rank the albums without Dave among Slayer's better efforts. Regardless of whether you prefer Divine Intervention to Diapolis and Musica or how you feel about Undisputed Attitude, which does rule, get used to me saying that. But now the Lombardo issue was muted. Maybe Dave would return one day in 2013. It seemed inevitable that he might. Spoiler, he did not. Uh, Though it did seem unlikely at the time, it seemed possible. Hanneman, on the other hand, could never return to Slayer. As Rick Rubin, Slayer's longtime producer, wrote in a statement that was read at Hanneman's public memorial service, Rubin said, Although Jeff might have been the quietest member of the band personally, Jeff was the heart and soul musically. You see, it was Hanneman who named the band. And in the early 1980s, Slayer was one transgressive title. It's a lot meaner than it sounds now, a lot more aggressive, a lot harsher. Still sounds pretty rad, I think. Hanneman was not the band's most skilled musician, but he was certainly a hell of a player. I'm not saying that. Unlike King, though, Kerry King, uh, Hanneman was not the kind of guy who could sit down and watch Dave Mustaine play a lead once and then shred it right back. As Hanneman put it in John Wiederhorn and Catherine Terman's exhaustive heavy metal oral history called Louder Than Hell, Hanneman said, I used to be totally into Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and those other shredders, and I tried to emulate what they did and really grow as a guitarist. Then I said, I don't think I'm that talented, but more important, I don't care. Hanneman was the band's second best singer. No, he never sang on a Slayer album, not really. But plenty of their classic tunes began as demos recorded in his bedroom, on which he sang embryonic versions of the lyrics. Jeff was the frontman of Pap Smear, a short-lived punk side project that also had Dave Lombardo in it. If King had never discovered Hanneman, he maybe would have been a perfectly capable vocalist in a subterranean hardcore band like, say, Dr. No, Nardcore in the House. Hanneman made the difference. Hanneman made the difference between Slayer being underground heroes like, say, Merciful Fate or Exodus, and Slayer being Slayer, fucking Slayer, a Grammy-winning, standard-bearing, heavy metal band with some crossover appeal. Hanneman's punk ethos reshaped the Slayer sound early in the band's career. Hanneman was the kind of guy who would bring a date to a party, but then he would ditch her and watch the band and slam dance. As he told Kerrang! Stefan Shirazi in 1996, hardcore was true, honest, crazy, out of control, and I loved it. 
And while Slayer's punk influence did wane over the years, um, Hanneman's unconventional style formed a pillar that is impossible to replace. It was Hanneman who made Slayer's songs tight. Punk and hardcore, for all their ferocity, chewed a hole directly down to the very elemental level of how music affects you. Whether it is metal or polka or punk or folk or dance or crossover, music with the right rhythm and velocity provokes a response that is more than a feeling. It is a call to action. And if you can handle its rough edge, many people cannot. If you can handle its rough edge, hardcore has a mutated strain of pop appeal. Carrie King, the band's other major writer, grew up on traditional metal like Judas Priest, and he hated hardcore, as many fans who know what they're talking about do. I don't agree, but you're allowed to that. Uh, you're allowed to have that opinion. Slayer's second album, Hell Awaits, featured seven-minute songs about vampires and demons. That was coming from Carrie, mostly. But Hanneman had a way of wearing down everybody who would resist him. After Hell Awaits, he convinced Carrie King that punk rock was good. Slayer's next record, Rain and Blood, crammed 10 songs into 28, 29 minutes. Some people reasonably assume that that new sophistication on Rain and Blood, the tighter songs, uh, the credit for that belongs to Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, again, is a top-notch songsmith who later worked with Johnny Cash, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and other all-time great artists. But that assumption is wrong. Rain's music was written before Rick Rubin arrived in California on a mission to sign Slayer. Without Hanneman, maybe Slayer would have kept writing six-minute epics about necrophilia. Without Hanneman's morbid mind and his appetite for history and top-shelf talent, we definitely would not have Angel of Death, classic song with lyrics and Hanneman by our music and lyrics by Hanneman, and we would not have Raining Blood, the concept and music were by Hanneman, lyrics were by Hanneman and King. King finished it. See my Rain and Blood book for those uh, for those songs, amazing origin stories. We're not talking about that right now, though. Hanneman, you see, Hanneman was an intuitive talent. Much of his unconventional technique was self-taught. He was a blonde California long hair. He was not the kind of guy that looked like he paid attention in English class. But, but, Jeff was the member of the band who used a thesaurus when he wrote. He's the one who would call bullshit on hokey, lame lyrics like, spit on your corpse. Uh, he told me, he used that as an example as a bullshit lyric when I interviewed with him. He was like, no, you can do better than that. Jeff was the kind of guy that wanted to do better. His songs were not poetic. They were not slavishly bent. Uh, Jeff's songs were poetic, but they were not slavishly bent to some prescribed classical rhyme scheme. As a writer and as a musician, 
And as a professional, Jeff Hanneman did what worked and he ignored the rules. He wasn't worried about what you were supposed to do. He just worried about doing the best he could. That's something I respect. That's something I like. It's something I can relate to. Jeff Hanneman had a hand in writing nine of the ten songs on Slayer's signature album, 1986's Rain in Blood. Hanneman was even a drummer. You can't overstate Dave Lombardo's contributions to Slayer. You can't minimize them. But, but, this is an important but, Hanneman would include skeletal drum structures when he delivered songs in demo form. Kerry King would do this too. The unforgettable, mythical, triple thud knock that starts raining blood. Jeff Hanneman wrote that, not Dave Lombardo. The classic, funky, symbol-writing intro to Criminally Insane, Hanneman wrote that beat, and then he gave it to Lombardo to flesh out. Your favorite Slayer songs probably started in Jeff's bedroom. Hanneman recorded the first Rain and Blood demos at home, where he filled the percussion parts with a drum machine. Not many metal dunes owned a drum machine in 1986 but they were standard issue for hip-hop musicians. And Hanneman was a rap fan. Kerry King is exactly the kind of metalhead who hated rap on general principle in the 1980s when it was breaking big. So was I. I understand that. Uh, I warmed up to it since, but I get it. Kerry King didn't like rap. Jeff Hanneman did. So when Rick Rubin, representing the Def Jam label, showed up at Slayer's practice spot, maybe without Hanneman, maybe the famously insular crew would not have felt so good about The Stranger. Maybe Slayer would not have signed to Def Jam, which again was strictly a hip-hop label at the time. And maybe they would have wound up signing to Capitol and ending up a cult sensation like Testament or Death Angel. Rain and Blood was engineered by Andy Wallace, one of the greatest figures in the history of the music business. He's worked with everybody and everything. More about that later. Andy Wallace mixed Nirvana's Nevermind, the game-changing, we'll say alternative, rock album. Andy Wallace produced Jeff Buckley's Ethereal Grace, another one of the greatest records ever made. He mixed Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy. According to Andy Wallace, Kurt Cobain picked him because of his work on Rain and Blood. If Slayer had not been on Def Jam, they never would have connected with Andy Wallace. And then maybe Nirvana, Nirvana, and never mind, maybe it wouldn't have been quite so perfectly calibrated. So maybe the 1990s alternative revolution would not have happened. Maybe. It's worth pondering. Without Hanneman. Hanneman wrote the music and the lyrics for Angel of Death, maybe the most infamous heavy metal song of all time. Angel of Death was a 
disapproving account of the atrocities committed by Nazi surgeon Joseph Mengele. Its point of view was largely objective, but it does include negative adjectives that tip the scales. Includes words like sickening ways to achieve the Holocaust and rancid angel of death flying free. Historically, when people were complaining about the song, and they do, they do, you know, back in the day, Nazis were pretty much universally regarded as bad. That's a whole other topic. But historically, when most people were griping about Angel of Death, they would overlook these subtle qualifiers like sickening and rancid, even when they had a financial incentive not to. At the time of Rain in Blood, CBS Columbia Records distributed Def Jam. They were scared and offended by Angel, so CBS refused to release the album. So, Geffen Records distributed the disc instead, Rain and Blood. Now, Def Jam owed CBS another album, so the label signed Public Enemy, one of the great bands of all time, too, not just a rap group. Uh, Public Enemy, of course, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in April 2013. Without Hanneman's controversial song, Def Jam would not have needed to sign Public Enemy. Maybe P.E. would have signed to a label like Jive RCA or 4th and B-Way. KRS-One and Eric B. and Rakim, well, they're all-time greats, rap gods, but they're not in the rock hall, not now. Who you know in life, that makes a difference. Jeff Hanneman and Slayer, they knew some of the right people. Without Hanneman, there is no raining blood. That song began in one of his nightmares. It reached out and affected and touched and inspired so many people. Tori Amos, the songwriting, singer-songwriter, goddess, performed a version of it. Um, She commissioned a short story about it written by Neil Gaiman, one of the more acclaimed authors of our time. Look at that list of people. Rick Rubin, Tori Amos, Neil Gaiman, Axel Rose, Andy Wallace. Jeff Hanneman and his work made ripples that reverberated through the whole rock community and beyond. Play six degrees of Jeff Hanneman, let's say six, six, six degrees of Jeff Hanneman, and you can connect to pretty much anybody. Two moves will get you to Robert De Niro, three to Mario Puzo, four to Superman, and four to F. Scott Fitzgerald. Hanneman and his work they got around. Jeff Hanneman was not a social guy. He was not a self-promoter. So he was not the most visible member of the band. But Jeff Hanneman, make no mistake, is the reason we are talking about Slayer today. May he rest in peace. So that, friends, is episode one of Talking Slayer. It is the first proper episode anyway. Before that, there are two introduction episodes, trailers, if you will that tell you a little bit about the show and what it will be like 
and how it works and who I am. One of them is very short, one is longer. Sometimes I like to give you the short version, sometimes I go long. Next week, we will talk about Jeff Moore. We'll get into some more details about the actual life of the man, his personality, what drove him, who he was, and what he was like. Not that anybody besides his wife knew him very well. These first few episodes are a little bit different. They explain what Slayer means and who Slayer is, who Slayer are, and they set the stage for the main act. Beginning with episode 6, this show will feature chronological episodes in the history of the band. I will start at its very dark beginnings, and I will build over about a year to its even more opaque end. Before I go, a couple notes. Number one, thank you. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. I appreciate your time and attention. And patience. Number two, I am working on various, various, see, there we go. I'm working on various aspects of the sound quality and the production. It will clean up over time. I'm a little bit out of fighting shape right now. I haven't been talking a lot to people. Uh, It's been a weird couple years, but I'm back. Think of these first few episodes as demos. I do appreciate your patience, but hey, even if the sound ain't perfect, We've got riffs. Look for another episode next week. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Slayer, a podcast and half-assed audio book by your pal Ferris. To support the show and learn more, visit patreon.com slash slayerbook. S-L-A-Y-E-R-B-O-O-K. Patreon.com slayerbook. No S on the end. Credits and crucial thanks. Podcast artwork is by Jason Shank of Midwest Authenticity Consultants. Unless otherwise noted, all the rad music is by Nige Savage, the aggressive perfecter, also of the awesome UK thrash band Chupacabra. Check them out. From the hit podcast Spanking It with Julio, the producer is Mitch Kramer, the spirit in black. The dog is Wolfie. Audio technical consultants are Matt Wardlaw, the Tormentor, Forrest Gabbage of Southbound Tracks, codenamed Gemini, Jessica Baxter of the Paid in Puke podcast, and Stargate Pioneer and everyone at the Gunna Geek Network. Consultant for audiovisual affairs and Irish history is James Ferris of Massive Media. The beta test group is Vince Bloom, Craig Cohen, Steve O, your older brother Sam, Bruno McDonald, Jason Pettigrew, Outer Nowhere, Sue Madre, and Mike Olszewski. The Slatanic archivists are Jamie Walters, Tony Alberts, Spar Schmidt, Chris Bade, Paul from Dropgun, Paul from Slayerized, and Nicholas, the Slayer Collector. Ongoing thanks to metal mentors and radio dudes, including but not limited to Ed Rohr, Brian Biggs, Randy Fox, and Dean B. True. Additional shingy courtesy Captain Shum and the Concerned Party Lembe Squad. Expert consultation by Nate Runkle, the Catalyst, also of Yo, That's My John, good show. 
Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain and Talking Bullocks, a.k.a. the Captor of Sin, no friender of the Thrash Metal Show and the When It Was Cool Podcast Network, and Ryan J. Downey, the Ghost of War, also of the Speak and Destroy Podcast. Thanks. I heart ends. I heart ends all. A lot. Partial list of people that I wish were still here. Sumner J. Ferris. Nora Ferris. Vera Lehane. Ron Forsyth. Lori Martin. Audrey Sapizi. Don Olszewski. And Tom Morrissey. Jeff Hanneman too, obviously, but I did not know him personally. If you have a different opinion, you are right and I am wrong. If you have questions or you want to rap, you can find me online. At Twitter, I am SlayerBook, no S. On Insta, I am SlayerBooks, with an S on the end. On Facebook, SlayerBook, no S. Buy the book and you can find an email address in it. The book, Slayer 66 and Two Thirds, a metal band biography, the 2023 postmortem update, is published by 6623 Press. It is a very reasonably priced paperback and a very cheap Kindle ebook. 6623 Press makes useful, reasonably priced, unconventional, creator-owned books about popular culture, success, and other cool stuff. This podcast is a production of 6623 Press and Mostly Things. The easiest place to find my books is Amazon, but select retailers have them too. If you're a retailer and you don't have them, but you want them, hit me up. Thank you for listening. More next time. Peace. Power off.